They're really fun, even for old white guys. I told him, I told him that. I was like, you are some fun white guys. Like, let's go. I and so we, we were joking. I was like, okay, she had to put the bar somewhere. Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business, your business, business. So first of all, I want to thank everybody for all the love you guys sent back about last episode where we were picking our celebrity matches. Snooka Booker actually, she was a sniper, but she was coming in love. She wanted all of us to get money all the way together. So that's why she had us fighting our friends. She just wanted everybody to eat together. And speaking of eating, man, on March Madness, there's going to be some players eating. We have Autumn Johnson coming in as the women's college basketball insider. We have Gary Parrish tapping in on the men's side. We also are going to do our last four challenge so we're going to make our picks of who we think is going to win the tournament and last but not least we're talking the Oscars we're talking Will Smith yes we're talking the slap we're talking a little bit of everything let's get to it well, hello there, family. Welcome back to another jam-packed week. And listen, if you're a non-sports fan, I'm going to continue to apologize to you because right now it's March Madness. There's a lot going on, and we have a mega March Madness episode. We have college basketball insiders on both the men's and women's side. And yes, we can call it March Madness on the men's and women's side. You know what I'm saying? Growth is a beautiful thing. I'm talking to you guys right now here live from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm in the city. I'm in Swin Cash's city. Shouts to the Pelicans. I just always like to shout out the fam when I see that they're doing good things. But I'm here. We're going to get the sights and sounds. We're here early, already tapping in for Final Four. I'll be covering the Final Four with CBS Sports. And so when I think about the Final Four, I'm here as an analyst. But that travel to the Final Four, I can vividly remember it as a player. I can remember the anxiousness I just wanted to hoop and I remember them telling us yeah we got media conversations after the practice I can remember just the anxiety I could just remember the excitement all of those things some people's lives will change at this tournament I want people to realize that with name image and likeness we've already seen the money start to flow there are kids lives that will change players will play themselves up in the draft or play themselves down in the draft for some athletes, this may be the last time that they ever play organized sports again. Think about that. You go from eat, sleep, and breathing the game. Your whole day is surrounded by how can you be the best athlete. And then all of a sudden, after one weekend called the Final Four, you are no longer that athlete that everyone asks about. Hey, how's your season? Now you're at home or you're working a job that doesn't have anything to do with sports because we know that only 2% of college athletes go on to play pro. So when we talk about March Madness and Final Four, we're talking about kids' lives changing. I know you may not be a sports fan, but just listen to the storylines that are going on this weekend. Just listen to the things that are happening with the players, the coaches. And then let's just watch some dreams come true because we know one thing is for sure at any Final Four, there will be madness. eventful weekend week all of that is still continuing there was a lot going on first let's start with the litmus 
UConn Huskies are heading to the final four once again. You know we bleed. Yes, Snookabooka, you know we bleed blue, so we're turned up for that. We're going to have all kinds of talk about that later with the March Madness and everything going on. But we also, you know we got to get into the Oscars, baby. We got to get all the way into it. I got to shout out Will Packer and all the other black excellence that was there. There was Queen Latifah was there. Uh, Denzel Washington was there. The Smiths were there. Beyonce and Jay-Z were there. Rhonda Sykes, Regina Hall, and Amy Schumer were hosting Mm -hmm. the event. A lot of women power. You know, everybody says this is the year of the woman, but I feel like it's going to be every year is the year of the woman get into it. So there was a lot of dope things going on. Something that was hilarious was that Tiffany Haddish was also in the building. And Tiffany Haddish, you know what I'm saying, she coming up to the Oscars. She said, I'm pulling up with a couple fits, not just one, but a couple of them. And oh, by the way, they're a designer. But an incident happened where the interviewer, it was a lady from E.T., interviewed Tiffany Haddish. And she said, hey, I see that you had a costume change. You know, tell me about it. Something of that nature. She knew she did wrong. Woo! <laughs> she came for the wrong one that day. Actually, I'm going to say she got the right one that day. Cause. She got the right one, but I don't even think she knew that she was coming for Tiffany Haddish, but she found out real quick that this yeah. is not a costume, baby. Ooh, Tiffany Haddish no. got her all the way together, and then she quickly realized this maybe ain't what you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, something about comedians, they're smart. It's like Cat Williams or, or you know, people, like, they roast people for a living. So everything <laughs> right. that you say, you know, they're going to pick it up and they're going to roll with it. So that's all she needed. When she said costume change, she was like, costume change? Uh-uh, I paid for this. She said, exactly. I, she wanted to let her all the way know it wasn't given to me. <laughs> I worked hard and paid for mm-hmm. these. Didn't she say this is Dolce and Cabana? Yes, she Dolce. did. She told me what Dolce okay, and Cabana. Gina. Then she Cabana. asked her where her <laughs> shoes were. And when she said, well, and where are your shoes? I said, oh, it's too late. I was late. done. You, that you that knew was it. When she came back with a question, that was going to be she it. She said, for what the are interview. you doing? She said, what are you doing? Where are your shoes? She's asking the interviewer. She said, huh? And you, what did you see? I said, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm t- oh, so there, boy. So that happened. It was, it was okay. There was a lot going on. Oh, yeah. And shouts to DJ D-Nice. He was the DJ of the event. There were so many things about the Oscars that was like, wow, would somebody come look at this? But everyone knows the still shower of the Oscars was the fact that Will Smith open hand slapped Chris Rock. 30 minutes later, ended up winning Best Actor Award, which everyone knows the Oscars is Best Picture and Best Actor are the gems of the award show. So not only did Will Smith have that moment where he walked on stage, and just to give a little backstory, if you didn't see this story, baby, what is you doing? I want to know what kind of job you got that you could just be away because this story was all over everything. Uh, Serena made the joke to me that you know this story's big when it crosses over to Spanish culture. Miss Lucy was calling, oh, asking yeah. about the slap and everything My mom else. She's like, hey, did you see that? guy punched the other guy as a mom he didn't punch him he slapped him but yeah i didn't see that how did you know about that yeah so when it crosses over to other cultures you know it's a big story and just a little back context chris rock was on stage as comedians do in a lot of their shows they look around to see who's in the front row and they usually go to do some type of set where they make a joke about who they see well Chris Rock saw Jada Pinkett Smith as well as Will Smith sitting right there and he said what up Jada it's all love can't wait to see you in the next G.I. Jane 2 and clearly Jada did not take well to that joke at all Will a lot of people talked about how Will was laughing at first I think that Will was trying to be a good sport at first and he could have been laughing about something else that Chris Rock said but there was a point 
where Will Smith, you could tell, was not happy about what Chris Rock said, got up. I mean, it was a sensitive subject because of her alopecia. The moment that it became real, and Tiffany Haddish, she even said it in her interview with the interviewer from E.T., basically what happened was they put her face up on one of the screens and everybody saw her face. That's when everybody kind of like said, oh, because everybody kind of like saw how she felt. That's when Will got up and proceeded to go up to the stage. So I think at first when they made the joke, he was looking forward, but her face popped up on the screen because, you know, when they do those jokes, they kind of like, I guess, zero in on the people yeah. they're joking about. And so when they zeroed in on her face, apparently her face was not looking too happy in the situation. So that's when he proceeded to go up to front. So that was what I think people saw the laugh, but he wasn't really laughing. Chris Rock made a couple of jokes, actually, where, you know, he, Will and Jada have been the butt of his jokes for a while, you know. So I think that that also had a little bit of buildup there, you know. And so he, he made he made like two or three jokes, if I'm not mistaken, about Will and Jada. I think he even mentioned something about open marriage. I'm not sure. And, and she's talking about overtime. So this is not the first instance. Yeah, no, I'm talking about but I'm also talking about this particular instance he made like two or three jokes before he said the G.I. Jane joke and so Will I think that he was laughing from what I was was we were watching it live and so from what I saw was that Will was kind of trying to be like a good sport and trying you know to just be part of the audience and kind of just laugh a little bit or whatever but it wasn't too long after he said that G.I. Jane joke that you see him walking up to the stage you know like Will was laughing at the other jokes that that he was making but as soon as he said that G.I. Jane joke you see him walking up to the stage like not even 10 5 seconds later or something and people may not know but Jada Pinkett Smith has um, a condition called alopecia where at some times it makes you lose patches of your hair at a time two weeks before the Oscars she actually did a video talking about how people are going to just have to get used to her bald head because this is where she's at with it and this is something that she's struggling with so Chris Rock went on record apologizing to the Smiths, to everyone, letting everyone know that he didn't know that she had alopecia. Now there's concerns that maybe he did because it's very publicized. I actually didn't know. I had tweeted out like, you know, if she does have alopecia and I found out she does, this is terrible. Black women in their hair, this is a larger topic that I don't know if people realize. Right. Actually, yes. if you even look at it, in this day and time, our hair is in legislation. I mean, they have laws that they're trying to enact about, you know, you can't walk across the graduation stage with dreads. You know, in the workplace, they can't tell you how you can wear your hair. So hair is kind of, in the black community, it's kind of a big deal anyway. Yeah, so he shouldn't have mentioned anything about her hair in the first place to that point. And then the other part about that is when I read the apology from Chris Rock, and, you know, kudos to him and Will for finally coming coming to their senses and, you know, doing an apology to each other. But I thought it was interesting in Chris's apology at the end when he said his friends. And I said, wow, what kind of celebrity friends do you have when you're going through something like that and they're totally unaware of it? That was one of the things that struck me kind of hard with Chris's apology because he's saying that we were friends. You know, I'm sorry, my friends. And I just, you know, and... Uh, you know, I, like I said, I've had struggles. I know people who have had struggles. And whoever is their significant other has had to sit there and listen to the tears and all of that about what's happening with my hair. So it's kind of hard for me to think that they were really friends or is that was just something he was saying. 
And the other part about it is with Will going up there during that particular moment and doing that, and a lot of people have a lot of different things about it, but my thing is possibly, and this is all in the news and the media now, not only athletes might need to see someone or seek help for something they're trying to get over. Anybody in the public eye is going through stuff. So Will mentioned in his speech that, you know, he set back due to COVID. People are uh, realizing a lot more things and reading a lot more things than they did when their life was full and jam-packed and moving fast. So now that kind of stuff is seeking in. And so maybe at this point, maybe Will need some type of professional help or an intervention. No, you know, you bring up a good point because, like, the terms friends and Drake, all you know, no friends in the industry, you brothers and my friends ain't no kin to me. Like there's songs about no friends in the industry because Will also talked about in his acceptance speech. And look, no one's condoning whether you should go up and punch somebody in the face or not or slap anybody. No one's condoning any of the behavior. We're just discussing the issues and the things around that behavior and what may have triggered that behavior. And Will, as he was crying, he talked about something where... Being the butt of a joke, it's all well and good. We see things go viral. We see memes. We know that they're entanglement and everything. And yes, they put that out there for the world to judge. But it's probably like you expect jokes from certain people. But then sometimes I'm sure he went on his timeline and saw somebody like, wow, wait, you going in on the jokes? Like, I'm sure that there was a point where it was like somebody like that he thought was his homie or somebody that he thought was too close to Jada or too close to him or too close to the family. I'm sure those are the people that he struggles with because it's not Hollywood. No one cares. Like, we know Hollywood ain't going to have no friends. Like, you know, I'm sure it's the people that he actually really considered the Denzel type friends where when all of that went down, Denzel got up, went straight to him and talked to him. And, you know, he even said what Denzel said to him. He said, you know, when you're at your highest moment, that's when the devil comes for you. He probably thought there was people that were going to be his Denzels, his rocks in his corner that he started seeing the jokes fly and it's all funny funny on Twitter no one cares when it's not somebody you don't know I think that he's had to deal with a lot of the people that he thought was his homies talking about his situation whether he put it out there or not like my family knows my situation but if I saw Cole or somebody making fun of my situation on social media that would hit different than if it's somebody random in Hollywood that I don't know so I think that while it's not okay to go you know physically assault somebody we're not necessarily discussing that it's just we know that when you hear it at home and when you've been dealing with it and you look to your left if i looked to my left and saw serena was embarrassed and hurt and the whole room was laughing that would be hard for me to handle i'm not saying i would go up there and hit somebody but that would be hard for me to handle i pray i pray every day yeah, i pray me too. let me tell you I'm, I'm serious because this situation there was a couple of things that I agree with and I don't agree with that happened in the situation. Of course, nobody wants to happen on national stage. I think he should have caught him behind the curtain, but that's my, that's me. That's me. We should we could have, we could have went it out behind the curtain, but at the same time, he had to stop it because, like you said, comedians when they get on a roll, they will run it into the ground. I don't think that even him sitting there and saying, you know, what he said was going to do. I think he was going to keep, you know, get a good laugh and they get happy and they keep going. I do believe that that was the wrong stage. 
for anybody to be talking about black women's hair. Number one, I mean, he knows better. And that's what I'm going to say. Chris knew better because he has black women in his life. He's done a movie about it. So I say on that end, he knew better because black women do struggle with their hair. We are a billion dollar venture as far as hair is concerned. But the other part about it for me and for Will's half of it is, is that I think that, like I said, Will it has an emotion. Now everybody, and I've even seen in the, in some of the, the things I've seen is, oh, this is not the first time he slapped somebody. Well, we want to talk about the other time he slapped some. This guy walked up and tried to kiss him in his face. So he turned around and slapped him. I'm sorry. I can't say that I wouldn't do the same thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. then people want to nitpick. Oh, well, he did this this time and he did that that time. But let's just look at it at the whole full circle. I actually am glad that both of them stopped it, said, I apologize. I apologize and let it go. They haven't said, well, he sent me a text and they did. I'm happy they just cut it off and let it go and let people just go on with their lives. But at the same time, they were both wrong. But honestly, if I was Will, can't say he was too much wrong. I mean, he could have caught him behind the curtain. He shouldn't have caught him in front of it. That's all I'm going to say. I agree with you. I think that they're, you know, I, I feel like they're both wrong. And I feel like even if he didn't know that she has alopecia, why would he comment on her hair knowing how sensitive of a subject that is? Knowing that that wasn't, you know, like comedians, you know, they're coming to an awareness now. A lot of people are coming to this new awareness of, you know, some jokes, they actually hurt, you know. So we've seen it with Dave Chappelle. And it's a, it's a different variations every time, you know, but comedians are starting to see that some of these jokes are actually starting to get to people. So talking about, you know, a woman's hair, a black woman's hair at that point is not going to go over well, you know, so especially when you have prior history, like how, you know, I'm not saying that they have beef or anything like that, but he was always, you know, kind of coming at, at Will and Jada a little bit in, all, in a lot of his jokes. And so I, I do feel like both of them were at fault. You know, I feel like Will lost is cool you know that's his wife you know I, I like Renee said I don't know how a lot of people would react if somebody you know intentionally or unintentionally hurt your wife what are you gonna do you know you're going to react you know but I do I do commend it might Chris be a Rock. roast fest if it was me because I'm gonna tell you right now I'm going to be up there. I'm going to grab the mic from Chris Rock and we're going to have that, a roast yeah, exactly. Fest. Something like roast that would have happened. I yeah. think he thought that's what he was going to do. Exactly. Because <laughs> he, he was like, oh, 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 here he, he comes. Because he didn't protect but... himself. Yeah. Exactly. And, and and also, you know, Chris Rock, I feel like I commend him on one part that could have easily turned into a brawl on stage, Oof, you know, and he practiced self-restraint. And I was like, wow, you know, like that, that, was that took a lot for him to not fight back because I feel like that could have looked really bad if both of them were just fighting on stage. He had to really react at that moment. I don't know that strength. I pray for it. Like, that's what made everybody think it was fake is because how in the world did Chris Rock, the way that Will Smith swung, first of all, look like an action movie, but hello, he's acted in a lot of them, so he knew how to do it. The way Chris Rock handled it and then continued to just host the show. Couldn't be me. Paul just asked in the chat, where was security? We asked our agents, so we asked one of our agents that question, and I was like, you know, you're in this high 
society. What do you think about the fact that Will Smith didn't have security come at him? And one of our agents, you know, at WME said Will Smith is probably one of those guys that he's one of the top 30 people that you don't really know what to do. Like top 30 influences in like, the world. Like who's going to stop him? Who's going to stop him? No, right. no, 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 no. That's what they said? No, listen to what I'm saying to you. I get what you're saying. When he went up on stage and they thought he was going to say something, but they slapped him, is one thing. He got back to his seat. Yeah. He had a whole conversation. Yeah. And no one said or intercepted him at any point. That's the part from me. They asked him if he was okay. They said, are you okay? No, when he, when he came back to his seat, they should have had security there and said, hey, let me talk to you. For They should have escorted him. Because one of somebody had said something smart to him on the way back to his seat, and then he wanted to jack slap them too. They didn't know what was going to happen. The man just slapped somebody. Yeah, but that's what I was saying. That's the point that I was saying, Cole. Yeah. That they no, don't know but, what to do with him yeah. afterwards. Like, he's untouchable, kind of. But then, okay, he's untouchable, but Chris got touched. Did you even come out to check and see if his jaw was still intact? I don't even know. The man got slapped on national TV, and no one came to ask him any questions to that point who was checking up on Chris you know but because Will Smith is a higher profile person everybody was coming up to Will Smith hey are you okay you know like like you yeah, know they were it like, was, are you okay you just slapped this man I thought that was out of character yeah. and I did read that Chris actually left the uh, awards ceremony right after that and he had planned to do that anyway because he was invited to a party by uh, Madonna's manager who was one of his best friends and so Chris left and they said he partied hardy too so evidently he wasn't hit. hurt and we saw where Will went to uh, his Vanity Fair yeah affair. Will was turned and up and he was dancing to let's get jiggy with it so no 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 this was a whole I thought I was like in the twilight the zone it was so <laughs> crazy I even when we were watching it live I said Oh my gosh, that's the best acting I've ever seen. Because usually, you know, when you and watch I was them, like, oh, that looks so fake. And she and Serena was like, it's fake. It looks so fake. I'm like, no, normally these award shows, the skits are bad, the scripts are bad, and the acting is tough because it's like in that type of setting. I thought that it was an acting gig. I was like, that's the best acting I've ever seen at these shows. Until the voice came from the audience. Until that. But that, you know, it was bleeped out. We didn't hear that. That was bleeped out. But it's crazy. And so we got a couple of guys that help us along with Montgomery and Company that I want to come and join in on this conversation. We got Roy and all of you guys know Roy. He's a regular on Levitard and Friends. And then we got Paul. Everybody knows PG Sports Paul, Professor Paul. I want to hear what you guys think. So if you're sitting in a room full of people, the host starts talking about your specific, not somebody else's wife, your wife sitting right there. And then you look and see her face and she's as distraught as Jada Pinkett Smith was. How are y'all reacting? Like, what are y'all doing, Roy and Paul? What y'all doing? I want to hear this. Well, I got three <laughs> options here. All right. I, I can wait until uh, the after party. I can wait until he goes backstage. Or I can wait until the production truck throws to that little montage of the uh, nominees. And I would most likely pick option C, depending on how my wife is dealing with uh, said joke. Uh, she's crying. <laughs> then as soon as that video starts up, I'm bum rushing the stage. That's, that's exactly what I'm doing. So fight or fight. 
there's no option other than to fight. Thank you, Roy. Yeah, because I mean, to see, I mean, that's the thing that I think people are missing. Yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith's reaction, she was clearly not handling it well. Like, that's the part that to me, even as we're talking about the two guys, for her, my heart goes out to Jada because the whole room was laughing and she was the butt of the joke. VP, what you doing? Um, Probably similar thing to Roy. I mean, I wouldn't do it. Definitely not on national TV. I don't, that's why it's kind of weird. But like, uh, I'd figure out something like behind the scenes. Yeah, see. Hey, so some scenes. people might see it as an act of love. I mean, may- maybe Jada was like, wow, he really loves me. I'm sure Jada did see it like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah. She, she said she I know did. she was like, my man with Harvey, but that West Philly came through that yes. night. Oh, she felt like very safe in the relationship. Like, For oh, okay, sure. This is where he would go if somebody's messing with me. Because, you know, when stars get to a certain, you have people around you that handle all that stuff so it's not like you get to see that fire a lot of times no he, he might show it a little bit now and then but you really just don't know so she saw that fire and she was like oh okay so i know he got my back this is how it's going to go and let's be honest men can be bald and they can be fine like wine women our hair is associated with our beauty it doesn't matter if you're a black woman or a white woman it's what it is or any nationality your hair is associated with your beauty so for women to lose their hair it's not the same sentiment as a man saying oh i'm going bald i'll just shave it bald you know roy shows us get- his head every other yeah. week <laughs> like it's 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 like, oh, oh yeah he's like, hey, I'm going bald. okay <laughs> Yeah, I got, I got a little fuzz uh, going on here. You got and a little that's fuzz. right quick. <laughs> yeah, but that's the point. And then I saw, I think it was Jaden Smith. I think he tweeted, and that's how we do it. But imagine, too, you, there's a whole other aspect. Yeah, imagine you got kids that are watching their mom. That's a big moment. First of all, they're sitting front and center in the stage. Will is about to get best actor. They, You know, it's coming. And then this big moment, you see your mom getting made fun of. No, 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 baby. My sons wouldn't have handled it. It would have been bad. It would have been real bad. Yeah, and I read somewhere, you know, I don't know uh, how soon it was that she started talking about, you know, her having to shave her hair because of alopecia. It was probably in getting ready for people so people would know when she came there. So she was probably uncomfortable there anyway. But she had to be there because, you know, he's getting this Best Actor Award. So she was trying to kind of, you know, give everybody a prep uh, Mm -hmm. about what was going on with her prior to that which lets us know that she had to do that to feel comfortable enough to yeah, even she was go, insecure you know to be with him at that so Roy event. said he got three options it's either now a little bit later than now and a little bit later than that but <laughs> it's gonna get handled and you know to that point again we're not saying we condone violence but right. this is a very sensitive subject and when you see somebody that you love just sitting there hurt, hurt. yeah there's gonna be some reactions Definitely. yes Roy said I might Roy said I might condone it bye Roy Roy I got you high five to that Roy high five to that there you go I don't think that Will Smith regrets it at all I don't think he regrets it I think he would probably do it again if he had the chance well listen they handled it like the old school they both got in a little Mm -hmm. skirmish and no one called the police everybody went their ways and we lived to play another day well someone actually told me one male that I know actually told me well no I wouldn't have done it in the front I would have done it in the back and he would have been out back in the back laid out and someone would say well what happened he said he was falling and he hit my fist okay <laughs> 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 
that's them old sayings. Like, what happened? It slipped and fell, and I fell into my fist. I was going to say, I think he's going to regret it in the long run because you guys just did a whole segment on it and basically didn't even say that that was his first uh, Oscar. Well, so there's that. And that's another thing, too. Well, that's his fault. It overshadowed that. It overshadowed Summer of Love, which I thought was just a great film. I love that film because it was during the era when I was growing up. I thought that was great. It, it won for Best Documentary. Questlove, who was that? Yeah, Questlove got an award there. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, we didn't even mention King Richard. So here we go. No, so. listen, but I, you know what? I take Oscars to the grain of salt because I've seen them pass up so many great actors and actresses mm-hmm. that I really can't go by what they say is a best actor actress Denzel missed it so many times oh, yeah. we've had so many people why who have Denzel missed it? have to be crooked before he took it that's yeah. a that's yeah. a wrap I mean line. so you know I think that will this is a delayed process he should have had one for a couple of movies that he's done I don't like to say oh this is I his first legend, Oscar I am legend man on yeah. fire you know remember like, the titans I, I think, yes I think that this this moment definitely you know overshadowed the moment you know out of it when Beyonce performed nobody's oh, talking man. about Beyonce's and performance you know that was a big we don't talk about Bruno that was a big oh, Meg that's the what Stallion was up there yeah. Yeah. there was a lot of big moments yeah. but this yeah. this completely stole the show you know yeah. and, and and you know he, he mentioned that we didn't even mention his first ever Oscar yeah because all we can think about is this thing that happened so this definitely stole the moment overshadowed everything else well kudos to everyone who got an Oscar I'll just say it like that we'll wrap it up there so yeah fine. and shouts to Will Packer to I can't say this enough but yes. Will Packer you don't get paid for producing anything anything that you do with the Grammys behind the scenes or the Oscars I'm sorry you don't get paid for it so shouts to Will Packer for the show that was put on it really was an amazing was show yes show. the slap happened and yes that caught all the headlines but shouts to the Oscars for leaning in when it comes to the production side but we would love to see some more awards That's all. Coming up next, we have Gary Parrish, who is an insider and analyst for CBS Sports, and he also hosts The Gary Parrish Show. Wow, Gary, I see you made the whole thing about you, buddy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. family. This is Snook, my mom, my sister Cole, and my wife Serena right there. Hello. I've heard so much about you guys. And, you know, <laughs> Renee has been a, a pleasure, A, getting to know, but B, also working with. I have never, and I've been at CBS Sports now since 2006, and been doing TV consistently for uh, a while. And I've never, and I mean this sincerely, seen anybody come in and fit in so beautifully right from the jump. I mean, if you, if you, whether you're oh, hanging nice. out off camera or you know actually at the desk doing television, 
she acts like and presents herself like she's known us forever. She's very, very comfortable. And everybody there loves her. Like uh, one of our directors, uh, Jim Maloney, I was a little jealous, honestly, because he never said this to me. But he like he comes out and he was like, I'll tell you the highlight of this season. And it's been Renee coming to work with us at CBS Sports Network. Oh, so she, nice. she's, uh, nice. she's uh, obviously super talented. You guys have known that forever. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know about anything, but um, it's been awesome watching her wow. just right right from the jump uh, be a real star. Oh, this is crazy, you. you guys. They never talk like this in front of me. <laughs> oh, well, she, she raves about you guys all the time, too, by the way. She always says, man, they are so fun to work with. So she really enjoys it over there, too. She explained to you guys, you know what? They're really fun, even for old white guys. <laughs> I told him that. I was like, you are some fun white guys. Like, let's go. I mean, uh, so we, we were joking. I was like, okay, she had to put the bar somewhere. And, 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 and it comes with some, it, it comes with some uh, qualifications. But you know what? Fun for a white guy. I'll take it. Yes, Listen, so you guys, this is Gary. And this is why it's fun when I tell you guys that CBS is really turned up. And Gary, for the people that may not know, know what does it really mean to be a college basketball insider like what do those things entail you know what it's funny um I, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today as we approach the final four and Mike Krzyzewski's you know one way uh, or another he's going to be retired early next week and I've known Mike for a, a while because I've been at CBS again since 2006 it's been my job to cover college basketball on a national level for you know quite a bit of time now Mike and I aren't best buddies. I'm not trying to present it that way. But, like, we have a relationship. So he asked me one time, because he has a serious XM radio show, like, to come on his radio show as a guest. Literally, his first question was, so, uh, you know, he, he introduces me, Gary Parrish, CBS Sports, college basketball insider. Um, and he said, Gary, let me ask you, this might be a basic question, but let me ask, how do you become a college basketball insider? And I, and, I, and I said, I never thought about it before. And then quickly I said, I think you just have to get a network to hire you and then call you that. And then that's that's what you are. It it was wild because my background is not in television and it's not in radio. Although my primary jobs are now in television and radio. I was a newspaper writer coming out of college. I I worked at the Commercial Appeal newspaper in uh, Memphis uh, from the day I graduated college until I left for CBS in 2006. And I graduated college in 1999. And it was amazing to me how many people I could get to call me back by saying, I'm Gary Parrish with CBS Sports, as opposed to Gary Parrish with the Commercial Appeal newspaper in Memphis. (laughs) And so um, obviously a lot of being an insider is, you know, having relationships and, and being able to provide information. Like even when we're on set, I don't try to you know, get into the deep water. Like, Renee's a former player. I let her talk about what it's like to be a player. Wally Zerbiak's a former player. I let him talk about what that's like, what it's like in the locker room, what it's like in the huddle, you know, how to guard ball screens. That's what she knows. I've never played basketball. In a season. <laughs> is that not crazy? I, yeah. Is that not crazy? I mean, that you know, I, I, mean I would shoot when I was a kid, and, like, you know, we'd play pickup <laughs> in my buddy's driveway. But, like, I was a soccer player and a baseball player. I never oh, played okay. a season of basketball my whole life. So, like, you know, I know enough about the sport to be able to talk. About, but I don't try to be a former player. And so then what is it that I bring to the table? Why am I even invited to sit at that desk with people like Renee? And the answer, I hope, is that I can provide information. And then I can make points, hopefully intelligently, 
and 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 when uh, the opportunity presents itself, tell stories. And so I've always tried to sort of operate in my lane and never forget. I'm never going to be able to come from a perspective of a former player. So don't pretend that you are. Be what it is that you're supposed to be. And I don't know that I'm always perfect in that way, but that's always what I'm trying to do. No, you kill it. And, you know, he's being modest, but he has like the number one radio show going on for I don't know how many (laughs) years in Memphis. And you brought it up. You tell those stories. So for the people that may not just know all the history, can you just walk us through why is it so wild that Duke is playing UNC in the final four on Coach K's retirement year? Like, this is crazy. Well, what's wild, Renee, is that um, I would have just assumed that this had happened at some point. Now, I know that it hasn't because it becomes a big bullet point that everybody references. You know, Duke and Carolina have never played in the tournament. So because you hear it so often, you know that it's true. But it seems impossible that these two programs have been operating at the tip top of the sport since the 80s with Coach K on the sideline and even with the randomness of the tournament run into each other. And so for it to finally happen under these circumstances is obviously really unique and something that is a television network's dream, frankly, because you get Coach K in his final season and to get to Monday night, to get to an opportunity to win his sixth national title, he's got to go through you know, Duke's longtime in-state, eight-mile-down-the-road rival. <laughs> and, al- and also the team that ruined his final game at Cameron Indoor when nobody thought that was on the list of realistic outcomes. Like, North Carolina, it is not true that this is a team that just got hot in the tournament and got to the Final Four. For about two months now, they've been operating like, you know, one of the top 10 or 12 teams in the country if you run the data on it. But early in the season, they just weren't very good. They were 12-6 and through their first 18 games. And that's weird hearing UNC is not very good. I mean, because UNC is almost always very good. And they were a preseason top 20 team. But through their first 18 games, they were 12-6. and They've been blown out by Tennessee, blown out by Miami, blown out by Wake Forest, blown out by Kentucky by 29 points in Las Vegas. And people were starting to ask, you know, real big, I think, reasonable questions about Hubert Davis. Like, okay, everybody likes Hubert, and he's been there as a player and an assistant coach. But, you know, the list of guys who have been great assistant coaches who just can't be a head coach is pretty long. I've seen them come and go, you know, in this sport. And people were starting to wonder, like, okay, are we sure that Hubert Davis was ready for this? And then he just flipped it around. Like, he got those guys to believe, and he stayed positive with them. And there's a million different ways to be an effective coach. You know, this is something else Renee could talk about. Like, Geno's style is not Kay's style. Kay's style is not Bill Self's style. Bill Self's style is not Scott Drew's style. Scott Drew's style is not, you know, uh, Jay Wright's style. But um, Hubert's style is positivity. We're not going to focus on the bad. We're going to stay uh, with our eyes attached to the good. And we're going to continue to believe that we can get out of this, even if it's not going well. And then it started going really well. So for North Carolina to trend upward in this direction, it it had been happening over a two-month period, even if people maybe hadn't been paying too close attention. You just focused on all those early blowouts as opposed to they're starting to play better. Yes, they're an eight seed and by definition not supposed to be here. But Again, for more than two months now, they've been operating like a borderline top 10 team. And now on Sunday, I mean, Saturday, rather, you're going to get down to New Orleans. I think one of the most anticipated final four games in the history of the sport, 
Duke, North Carolina for the first time in the tournament. Coach K's final year, Hubert Davis is first. It is crazy. This is crazy. And so who do you have winning that game? Duke versus UNC. I know it's hard to always pick. They always make us pick, and I never yeah. like this part. But you got to pick UNC, Duke. Who you got winning that one? Well, it's interesting that picking is a part of our job because, um, you know, it, it, I'm not saying it shouldn't be. There's an audience and an advertiser. We can't. There's no way. But, like, we pick wrong all the time. The frustrating part for me <laughs> Tell is us that, about it. We have brackets, and we are really busted. <laughs> hey, hey I, I was winning. I was winning. And I'm the one that knows the least about basketball. Those are usually the people who win those brackets. We because, told her that. <laughs> yeah, because here's what happens. You, um, you watch basketball for four straight months. And you keep up with the data, you watch the games, and by the time Selection Sunday arrives, you have a pretty good idea of who's good and who's not. And so then you look at the bracket and you go, like, for four months we've been doing this, this team's better than that team, I'm picking that team. Then St. Peter's is in the Elite Eight, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> so it, I, it actually, you're actually probably better off filling out a bracket with a very surface level comprehension of the sport. Because if you just start picking this team's better than that team, I know it because I've seen it. Well, then that doesn't take into account the upsets that come each and every year. Facts. The madness. You can't account for the, the madness. That's exactly right. The frustrating part is like when people, this is just the nature of social media, so it is what it is. But like you'll have, I don't know, Arizona and Houston playing in, in the Sweet 16. And somebody will go, okay, I need your pick. And it'll be like, I guess I'll take Arizona. They're the one seed. They're the Pac-12 champions. They're the Pac-12 tournament champions. Houston lost two of their top four players in December. I guess I'll go with Arizona. And then Houston smacks them. And immediately you got 50 people on Twitter calling you Telling an idiot. Telling you, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> I, I knew exactly what I was talking about. And, and, but then the game happened. And that's the nature of, of sports. So, so I having said, said all of that. Right, <laughs> I'm picking Duke to win. I think Duke is the better team. I think okay. Duke's got the better players. I think Duke's got the best player in Paulo Bencaro. And with all due respect to Hubert Davis, if you took looking at a coaching matchup, and I acknowledge this is an oversimplified way to look at anything, but if you're looking at best team, it's Duke, best players, Duke, best player, Duke, and best coach, probably Duke. All of that stuff points in Duke's direction. On the other hand, North Carolina, just, the beat by, yeah, North Carolina just beat them by double digits at Duke. You know, uh, less than a month ago. So I, I can't, to I can't wait to too. watch it. I can't <laughs> wait to watch it. And yes, you're right. Very difficult place to win. Okay, real quick, give me your Villanova, Kansas. We know that you can't really, we can't predict it, but just real quick, let me see. Who do you have between Villanova and Kansas? I, I've got Kansas winning that game. Um, Villanova is terrific. I wouldn't rule them out. But as you know, they did just lose Justin Moore to a torn Achilles. He's their second leading scorer, best perimeter defender. And with the way Remy Martin's now playing for Kansas, combined with Ochai Kansas can attack you now at two different places from the perimeter. And Villanova's best perimeter defender is not there. It doesn't mean Villanova can't win the game, but um, it's obviously going to be harder than it would have been before Justin Moore ruptured that Achilles. So, Gary, I've been, <laughs> I've been wanting to ask you guys this because every time I hear Remy Martin when we're at CBS Sports, I can't help but think of the rapper Remy Ma. So... Every time I hear it, I think, do you know who Remy Ma is? I always wondered if you guys even, like, recognize the similarity in those names. Of course. Like, yes. Oh, yes. You, oh what you yeah. mean? Okay, so you know I'm conceited. I got a reason. You know Remy? Because every time... Well, Every time we talk about Remy Martin, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. No, no, there's a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a handful of players that have come through the years that have, they share names with other people or other things. Come and on, it, Remy Ma. And it can, it, can get, um, it can get confusing for some. 
<laughs> but, uh, you know, I grew up in Memphis. I'm not, trust me, I'm not going to be the 45-year-old white guy trying to talk to you about hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I'm familiar with Moneybag Yo and Block Boy. I'm familiar with the hip-hop scene on a, you know, how about this? For a 45-year-old white guy, I'm uh-huh. a hip-hop expert. So, okay. uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Okay, but we don't. We'll, we'll keep you in your lane where you are expert for basketball. Who's winning the championship here in Baton Rouge? I think it's Duke. I think it's going to go the way that the betting market now suggests that it will. When we started this tournament, Duke was not the favorite. Gonzaga is. But as we get to this Final Four, even though Kansas is the only one seed left, Duke has been playing better. Here's another just bit of information for you that I do think is interesting and and underlines how great Duke has been playing in this tournament. If you go back, say, a two-month sample size, uh, the two best defensive teams in the country have been Texas Tech and Arkansas. Duke beat Texas Tech in the Sweet 16, shot above 50% from the field. Then they beat Arkansas in the Elite Eight, shot above 50% from the field. So Duke just shot above 50% from the field against the two best defensive teams in the country. That suggests they're going to be able to score. I think Duke beats North Carolina, and then Duke beats Kansas. And Mike Krzyzewski gets his sixth national title, cuts nets, and calls it a career. Wow. And then one last question before I let you go. We've seen some stars emerge, and you talked about Duke has one of the best players in the country. Who are the guys that are going to surface around those top three picks in the NBA draft this year? I genuinely believe the top three picks in some order will be Paulo Bencaro from Duke, Jabari Smith from Auburn, and Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. Holmgren's a little more polarizing because he's got such a unique skill set. I don't think this is hyperbole. He's not the best prospect we've ever seen. Otherwise, he'd be the clear number one pick. But he is maybe the most unique prospect we've ever seen in terms of being seven foot, bouncing it, can shoot about 40% from three, real rim protector. Uh, the concerns are his body, you know? So he's, small. He, his frame. He's yeah, so small. Like, like he, so small. Yeah, like he's set, like we, we, I think he weighs less than I do. I'm five foot eight and he's seven feet tall. Now, yeah. some of that's my problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, some, but some of that, he's, he's extremely skinny. And that's a concern on some level. Is he just going to get pushed around in that league? But right. um, different people have different opinions on those three. But barring his advice, those will be the three in some order. And, you know, on, on a different day, I could argue them in any order. One, two, three. Love it. Well, Gary, thank you for coming in, meeting the fam, joining <laughs> the family. I'll be seeing you soon in Baton Rouge. It was my pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. It's been awesome talking to you guys. And, and like I said, to circle back to the beginning, a real pleasure meeting Renee. She is uh, just a gem. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Checks in the mail. <laughs> I think we'll keep her. <laughs> you should keep her. You should keep her for sure. Coming up next, Autumn Johnson, man. She slid over from the host seat to be an analyst, and now she's covering the March Madness. We have the Women's Basketball Insider coming up next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Autumn, so first of all, I love how you have taken your seat as an analyst and been killing it. You slid from, people don't know, there's a slide there. You was hosting and you moved to the analyst spot and covering women's basketball. So how has it been covering the tournament? It's been so much fun. And yes, thank you so much for that. Like just growing throughout this industry has been incredible. Being able to break into these spaces and truly like show my knowledge of the game and my passion for the game has been it's been incredible and just something I've been working for this entire time since I've started. So, you know, to get that opportunity and just try to be a better voice for women's basketball, it's been great. But I'm here in Minneapolis now. I'm excited. There's more to come. We already saw great basketball last night and throughout this entire tournament with all these upsets <laughs> that are going there. on. Woo. UConn, I know you're going for UConn. <laughs> yes. You you know. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so good, though. I'm excited to actually get in person too but overall this journey has been incredible no that is dope and so you talked about the players and Aaliyah Boston looks like she's poised to win the national player of the year and she should since she's the best player on the best team but for the people that may not follow along as closely as we do what makes it so special over there what Don Staley is doing at South Carolina because they're selling out like just Tell the people why it's so special over there. Well, Leah Boston, I mean, no doubt she's the player of the year. Like what she's been able to do consistently the entire season going on 27 double-double straight. That ended against Creighton because she was three boards short. She could have got it. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're looking for a common goal, and that's a championship, and they were already blowing Creighton out. So I just thought overall, like, that selflessness to not even worry about the individual accolades but going after a team goal that's what they want. Like they are on a redemption tour at this point. They want to make sure everything, <laughs> everyone is healthy um, to hoist that national championship at the end of the day when it's said and done. But Don Staley, if we want to talk about, I mean, accolades and, you know, national player of the year, I think she's coach of the year. Like to have the number one overall seed, to have the number one overall team in the entire nation consistently throughout the entire season, you went 11 and 0 against ranked opponents crazy right so it's like they've blown through these challenges with flying colors like to see what Don Staley is doing with this group the depth that she brought back she's bringing back the entire final four squad and added more dangerous <laughs> weapons around them <laughs> man like I've had them as my national champ from day one and they're showing that they're proving it um, you can see this new sense of hunger to get that redemption but they're special. This is a special group. Dawn Staley over there for South Carolina. I really feel like this is her second national title. Wow, that's crazy. And you know what? This is, I know we say this every year, but this feels like the most mad March Madness of all time because we've seen so many upsets and we've seen the viewership go up, the sellouts go up. So like, what have you noticed about the growth over the past couple of years of the women's tournament? This year alone, I think, to me personally, has been the best tournament that we've seen. I mean, 11 upsets, that does not happen. For the women's bracket, usually you'll see upsets happen in the first and second round, the Cinderella stories towards Sweet 16, Elite Eight. But we had a lot of squads had their first ever Sweet 16 appearance, their first ever Elite Eight. Like, that's special, and that's just showing the parity of this league at this point. It can be anyone's game, and that's the beauty of it, but... 
Man, I mean, just even, we could have had more than 11. UCF uh, was very close to knocking off UConn, who's in the final four. Princeton, yeah. Indiana was a one-point game. Uh, Belmont, Tennessee. South Dakota, got to give flowers to them. I mean, they went up against Michigan pretty tough. Michigan had their best season overall, and they fell in the Elite Eight. They were there for the first time. Creighton also have to give them their flowers, being a 10 seed going into the Elite Eight. But this year is so special, like the return of fans. I think everyone just sensed this like new energy, considering like, you know, 2020, we had the entire tournament canceled because of COVID. 2021, limited fans, just family and friends were able to watch, you know, their stars play. But now these sellout crowds have been incredible. They've been feeling that. And I think these athletes are buying into that. They're playing with their hearts. It's fun. But just the coverage of the game, if you are trying to look for a women's basketball game, it's not hard. You don't have to find different outlets to go through. Like it's everywhere on ESPN with a click of a button, like it's right there available to you. The March Madness brand is everywhere. Merchandise is everywhere. And also something that's important to me is the representation that we've seen throughout the tournament too. Like we saw 14 black head coaches in the tournament. And I think that's the most it's ever been. It's incredible, but you you know, majority of these athletes are, you know, black women that are competing in this game and to have that type of representation, to have those role models, someone to lead you through this on and off the court. I think that's very special to see and very inspiring. And I talked to Don Staley about this and how we can improve it. And it's hiring more black head coaches that are men too. So I think that's important. It's just been all around type of uh, spectrum that we've seen. We've seen dunks from Fran Believey. Like I can literally go on and on. (laughs) How special this tournament has been. It's been crazy. (laughs) How do you feel about how, you know, with what went on last year and them trying to have parity between the men's and the women's NCAA teams? How do you feel with what they've done this year? How has that affected the actual tournament and the games? You know, it's been awesome to see how social media works. One post, (laughs) one post, one video, uh, and how far it traveled, how much coverage it got, the impact it brought. Sedona Prince posting the weight room and comparing it to the men's weight room. We saw immediately like, okay, NCAA took action and said, hey, like, let's roll out the carpet and give these athletes what they deserve. We saw the fans buy into it too. Like, we're here. Okay, we're going to make sure that women's basketball gets the coverage it deserves, Um, make sure it's equitable uh, as far as the men's tournament. And we're here like we're here to support them. And I think that's special. Like these athletes have brought into it this new generation. They're not afraid to speak up. They're going to let you know, like, hey, this isn't right. How can we fix it? And I think that's very special to see. But I personally love the impact that it brought Um, just being here on site. At the tournament, I've seen already just the little things like the signage is everywhere around the city. These fans buying into it, rolling out the carpet already for them when they come off the airport, making sure that they know that, hey, like we're the final four teams. This is a huge deal. This is one of the best women's basketball tournaments in the entire country, in the entire nation. Like it's just amazing. And I'm so glad that, you know, it's getting better. It's only up from here and it's on an upward trajectory. But I I just think even with this being the first year alone, it's going to get better from here. 
Agreed, agreed. Yeah, and you and you spoke about, you know, social media, just the awareness factor that's there, you know, for people like me who are just recently getting into sports, you know, I didn't even know that March Madness wasn't a thing on the women's side, you know, like I thought that that was always a thing. So, you know, it's crazy, like you said, like social media, the power of that one picture, show, you know, spreading that awareness is like the NCAA is like, it, it actually, you know, caused some true change. So that that is the power of social media is spreading awareness to that point. Yeah, to your point too, like I didn't even know until I started working with NCAA that it wasn't considered March Madness. Like to your casual fan, it's March Madness. Like that's what it is. But you know, when I was starting to write papers and when I was starting to use language, I could only call it the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. And that was a learning curve. Mm -hmm. That was a learning curve for me. But now it's March Madness Women's Basketball. We got the social handles for it. We got the branding for it. Like it's everywhere. And it's not like, okay, this is the men's and this is the women's. No, it's the entire brand and we're going to own it. And we're going to show that like these athletes are incredible. Give them that stage. Let's make them um, reward them for the hard fought season that they've had, all the adversities they went through. You're seeing that on full display this season. Woo, I love it. I love it. And even just, <clears throat> I have to send a quick shout out to Jackson State. You know, we've seen on the football side that the men's football for HBCUs is growing at a rapid rate. We're seeing NFL superstars go back and coach HBCUs. Well, we just saw Tamika Reed in Jackson State. You talked about those teams. There was 11 upsets, but there was ones that could have had more upsets. So I just wanted to give a shout out because you mentioned representation. Made me think of Joni Taylor, you know, Texas A&M and just what's going on. Yeah, what's going on in the women's basketball space is something really special. So, you know, I wanted to just shout that out. But we got to get to the picks. We got to get to the predictions. That's what everybody always wants to hear. So we have South Carolina going against Louisville. That's a number one versus number one. And then we have Connecticut. You know we bleed blue over here going against Stanford. That's a number two, again, versus number one. So we're the underdogs here. I want everyone to know that we are the underdogs. We are the number two seed going against the number one. But who do you have in South Carolina versus Louisville? I'm going with South Carolina uh, just by the consistency that they've shown throughout the entire season. And I like this matchup. Like, out of all the matchups, I think Louisville sizes up with them pretty well, even though South Carolina is pretty long and they have endless rotations in that front court. I'm going with them just by the hunger that they have right now, that redemption of falling by one point against Stanford. Like, this team has been locked in since day one. They brought back that entire Final Four team, so they know that hurt. They know what they need to do. They've been in this moment. They're ready. They're locked in. And I think also just being paced by Leah Boston, like, she's one of the best two-way players in our game. Um, She's top five in rebounds. Like, what she does for... South Carolina on the glass, that's going to be key in this matchup. Like the offensive boards, they're going to have to crash the boards, make sure Aaliyah Boston doesn't get those second chance opportunity points. Then if, you know, Aaliyah Boston needs help, you got Victoria Saxton, you got um, (laughs) Brie Bill, you got Camila Cardoso, you got so many weapons to go to. Like, I'm really excited to see what Emily Ingsler and then also Olivia Cochran, how they size up against Aaliyah Boston and try to like play help defense on her. Who's going to shut her down? It's kind of impossible because of how dominant she is. Um, But one thing I am looking forward to seeing is who steps up outside of Aaliyah Boston. As we know, like throughout these first couple of rounds, South Carolina has struggled offensively. 
Um, they're known for their defense and rebounding, but it's going to come down to like who's going to take over this game. Like it can't just be Aaliyah Boston putting up those numbers. Like we're looking at the perimeter now. Zai Cook, Destiny Henderson, like got to knock down big time shots in these moments, especially going up against Louisville, considering that Haley Van Lith is like on a rampage at this point. Like I just saw that she is the first Louisville player to have 20 plus points in all four matchups leading up to this point. Like wow. out there getting a bucket. Okay. <laughs> like she... out there getting a bucket. <laughs> and I'm so proud of her because Dana Evans, she was their go-to star last year. But now Haley Van Lith is realizing I am the superstar. I need to step up. I need to put my team on my back and go and do what I know what I can do. Like we're seeing the Haley Van Lith that we saw when she was in high school, like she's that dominant takeover player. And I, she played secondary to uh, Dana Evans last year, but now she's realizing I got to go get a bucket. And I love that resilience and also that passion from her. Like we're seeing this new fiery player from her. Who do you got for the Connecticut Stanford? Again, feel free to speak freely. Be careful, be careful. I'm saying speak freely as Nook is saying be careful, but what is your unbiased, you're not, you don't even have a bias, we have the bias. So give us your full opinion on who would win that matchup, Connecticut versus Stanford. I'm getting hot because I see the UConn shirt. <laughs> but I will say UConn is playing its best basketball at this point. Paige Buckets literally stepping up when her team needs it the most. She had 27 points in that game, and I was a little worried about UConn coming into this entire tournament, considering Paige was out for two months, and it was kind of showing um, in those last two matchups. Leading into this tournament, she only had two points. Now she's like, okay, building slowly back, getting acclimated into the system. She had 15 points in those double overtimes against NC State, so... I, I just see her feeling more comfortable, more confident. And honestly, I think her being out kind of played to UConn's benefit because that forced other players to be like, we got to step yep. up. Like, Absolutely. We, it wasn't the easiest ride for them to get into this tournament. We're known for UConn having that dominance going undefeated into the tournament. A lot of like bumpy roads to get into there. But now you got Kristen Williams, like that confident player that we know she can be. You know, AZ Fudd, who was also out with injury, knocking down huge threes as a freshman. This is her first time in these moments. But like to see all these players, Dorka Juhas, which she um, went out with a wrist injury. So that 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 just that's a testament to like their roller coaster ride. But to see all these players, Olivia Nelson Adora step up uh, without Paige Becker's absence, that's been huge. But to counter that, and this is where. Having said all that, <laughs> give it to us. Give it to us. She tried to dose us really easy in there. She was like, we have young all this. Let's ease into this. But I do have Stanford just by their length, their depth, their athleticism, uh, the way they play defense, the way they can have ro endless rotations. You have to consider like their limited bench compared to UConn, uh, excuse me, their endless uh, bench compared to UConn. UConn has a more limited bench. Yes. I know what you're saying. Listen, Autumn, you don't have to be concerned to say this. <laughs> we can Why take it. We can take so it. We can concerned. take it. We can take it. We can take it. And listen, okay. one of the things, one of the th reasons this game is so tough for us is because when Renee was actually at UConn, every time we got into the tournament play, 
hey, there was Stanford, and we had some tough Facts. games with Stanford. So yeah. tonight, uh, you know how you have PTSD? So tonight, <laughs> when, uh, when UConn plays uh, Stanford, I'll definitely have some PTSD from the past. It's Facts. triggering. It's triggering. It's a trigger for you. I can understand yeah, that. It's a trigger. Yeah. <laughs> but do not feel bad. One last thing I want to ask you, Autumn, is with all of the talent that we see going through the tournament right now, I love to see it. The game is in good hands. But who do you think are going to be those top three picks heading into the WNBA draft this year? Ooh, that is a tough one. This is not in any order. Okay, no problem. But top three is definitely, hands down, Melissa Smith from Baylor, Ryan Howard. Ooh, and the third one's tough because you can go with Shakira Austin or you can go with Nas Hillman. Um, I'm not sure exactly if Nas Hillman has declared just yet. We are looking still at that. But, I mean, these the senior class, and they're still announcing. Man. I saw Ray Burrell just announced that she's going to be in the WNBA draft, too. It's endless. Ashley Jones announced that she's returning back to college, correct? Yes, she did. Yeah, so there's and that. I, I would have had her up there, too. <laughs> so there's so many players to go to. I'm really excited uh, where their next chapter takes them. I'll be in person for the first time for that one, so I'm really excited. Let's go, man! Congratulations! Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so excited. Uh, this game is incredible. I'm just happy to be a part of it and just like a small part of it and just telling these stories, highlighting these athletes, but man, like this game is incredible. Well, you are not a small part of it. You are a big part of it. And congrats, man. I can't say it enough. Congrats on taking a seat in that analyst role. Autumn Johnson, thank you for joining us on MoCo. Thank you for having me. And let's go Huskies. <laughs> you can pick who you want to pick, but we, we, baby. Anything is possible, Mark. I'm here for it. <laughs> So we've been talking a lot about the final four on the men's and women's side. So I just want to tap in and just get our picks for who do we think is going to win each matchup. So I'm going to go around the horn. All you got to do is tell me who you're going to pick. If you got a little reasoning why, let me know too. But you ain't got to give me too much. So let's start out on the women's side of the bracket. The first game is South Carolina versus Louisville. Cole, who you got? I'm going to go with South Carolina. Snook, who you got? South Carolina, Louisville. I got South Carolina, but I like Louisville a lot, too. And I'm giving uh, Jeff Walsh a big shout-out to do the best he can. Okay, Serena, who you got? South Carolina, Louisville. I have to go with the legend Don Staley, so of course I have to go with South Carolina. Okay, on the other side of it, we got Connecticut and Stanford. I'm not even going to ask nobody on here. <laughs> it's all We're all stamping it for the Huskies. Yes. So who do we have in Connecticut versus South Carolina, look, we're biased over here, guys. I don't know what to tell you guys. We're just going to stamp bleed blue for that side of the tournament. And then we're just going to move right along to the men's side of the bracket. One game, we have Villanova versus Kansas. Cole, who do you got in Villanova versus Kansas? Villanova. Okay. Snook a Villanova versus Kansas. Who you got? I have Kansas. Okay. okay. Split it up. Serena, who you got? Villanova versus Kansas. I always hear you talk about Villanova, so I'm going to go with Villanova. I like that Big Big East East right there. Yes, sir. (laughs) UNC versus Duke. This is the headliner game. Mm. Who do you have, Snooka Booker? I have Duke. Okay, Duke. UNC versus Duke. Who do you have, Serena? 
Uh, Duke, Coach K, hello. Okay, they want to see Coach K go out. Cole, UNC versus Duke. Who you got? I'm going for the underdog. I'm going for UNC. I'm going for <laughs> UNC. <laughs> okay, so who do we ultimately have winning the championship? Cole, who do you have? Villanova versus UNC. Who you got? I got to go with Villanova. Okay, Cole got Villanova. Snook pick Kansas versus Duke. Who you got in that matchup? Duke. <laughs> Duke. Okay, Snook got Duke winning it. And Serena, who do you have winning the whole thing? You got Villanova versus Duke in the championship game. Oh, Duke. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah I think find that out. We gonna find I'm agreeing. Out. I got the Huskies on one side of the bracket. I really do wish that Villanova could get one, but I feel like this might be a magical nah. year for Duke with everything going on with Coach K. So, I got Duke on that side. But Serena... If UConn wins, you actually win our bracket, so that'll be interesting to see. You guys, listen, I'm hosting a college basketball national semifinal prediction pool with DraftKings exclusively for you, the MoCo family. It's the Montgomery & Company Last Four Challenge. Head to DraftKings.com backslash MoCo and play for free by predicting the outcome across both matchups for your shot to win. Listen to this. $1,000. $1,000. Yes, 1000 smackaronis. Be sure to sign up or log into your DraftKings sportsbook or daily fantasy account to access the pool. Get your picks in before the start of the game, y'all, on Friday now. Get your picks in. Don't be late or your picks are not going to count. Get your picks in before the start of the first game on Friday to play. Okay. So even if you aren't a basketball fan, I hope that we gave you enough nuggets that in the casual conversations of March Madness that I know people are probably having around you, hopefully you can join in just off of the sheer fact of something you heard here. And then in the future, we're not going to be talking sports, sports, sports all the time, but it's the madness and it's coming to an end. We will be talking about Bel Air, the new hit show on Peacock. We're going to talk to the executive producer there. We're also going to talk about the Dream's upcoming moves. It's the draft day coming up. We have the upcoming season, new leadership, new ownership. Everyone knows all about it, but we're going to talk more about it. And we're going to have a special guest also help us talk about it. You know at MoCo, it's a generational thing here. We'll see y'all next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.